Hey, I'm Pastor Steve Holt. I want to empower you today to walk in your true identity as a worshiper and warrior. Today, embrace the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Born for War podcast. All right, so turn in your Bibles to Romans 11. Uh, You that are guests with us today, we're going through the book of Romans. I am going to be taking the rest of June and a little bit into July off as a study break. I'm working on a new book, and I'm not having time to do it unless I just focus in on the book. And uh, I'll give you a little idea of the book. It's going to be Strong and Courageous is the title, The Eight Habits That Will Transform Your Life. So I'm excited to start working on that tomorrow. I'll be doing that, but we're going to camp on Romans 11, and then when I get back, we'll pick it up, Romans 12, and then in the fall, I want to do a series on the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? How does the kingdom of God work? Now, I'm entitling this message today, A Kingdom of God Revolution is Coming to All Nations, and so look at verse 25. So in Romans 11, the theme verse is verses uh, 25 and 26. So let me read that to you. Uh, for I, I'm just going to read 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then first part of 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. So this is a, one of the great prophecies of the last days that God in his economy is going to bring about this worldwide move of God that's going to affect all nations of the world. I'm calling it a kingdom of God revolution that that will usher in all of Israel being saved. Now, I don't believe that means that everybody in Israel will be saved, but what it does mean is that there'll be such a move of God among the Jews that Israel will be a Christian nation. That's what I think it means. Because the reason I say that is based on the Great Commission of Matthew 28, where it says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and commanding them or teaching them and training them in all the things that I've commanded you in. So either Jesus is an abject liar... Or he's planning to do that. It's like me saying to my kids, you'll cut the grass on Saturday. And then they don't cut the grass on Saturday, and I'm fine with that. But God gives commands, and then he's going to work it out. It's going to happen. And so our responsibility is not all nations. Our responsibility is El Paso County and Colorado Springs. So God wants to bring a kingdom of God revolution here. I believe in our lifetime that there's going to be such a move of the Spirit of God in El Paso County, in Colorado Springs, in the Rockies, because it'll overflow, that just as the rivers flow from the Rockies, the spine of America, either to the east or to the west, they flow down, the gospel's going to flow down out of Colorado in a mighty and powerful wave. It's going to be mighty rivers of the Spirit flowing. So he's saying that, that tied intricately together with Israel getting saved, 
is that all nations are going to be getting saved. So this is a move of God. Now, that's pretty good news. So, I, so after the service, I come down, and here's this precious couple that are ministering in Nicaragua, and we support them. He says, Steve, you're not going to believe what's happening in Nicaragua right now. And he shows me pictures of 70, 80, 90, 100,000 coming to these gatherings, these meetings, and just tens of thousands getting saved. And that's with Daniel Ortega as a president, more of a socialist slash communist regime there. And Ortega just cut ties with the Vatican in Rome because of the fomenting of rebellion that's happening from the Catholic priests. And here's what he said. He said, the Catholic priests here are fomenting rebellion and the evangelicals here are bringing healing. And so you guys, a kingdom of God revolution is a peaceful revolution. Amen. It's a revolution of love. It's a revolution of transformation. It's Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to give sight to the blind. I came to announce freedom to the captives. That's the kingdom. You say, well, what's the kingdom revolution, Steve? That's the kingdom revolution. We're bringing freedom to captives. We're bringing sight to the blind. And we're healing the brokenhearted. Who doesn't want that? Evidently a lot. But the reality is, is that if they heard it, and they heard it that way, I don't think many would deny it. They're longing for that. People are longing for that. So let's look at Luke 11, and uh, starting at verse 1. And you guys, um, I'm going to give you five witnesses that I see in, in uh, chapter 11 for a kingdom of God revolution coming to all nations of the world. This is in our future. It's going to come, and Israel's going to get saved too. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So the first witness is Paul himself. Paul got saved. Paul was just going to Tarsus in Asia Minor, moving along, persecuting Christians, and suddenly a blinding light hits him. He goes blind for three days. A guy named Ananias is sent by God. This is all found in Acts chapter 9. It's told to come. He lays hands on him. His sight comes back. He gets baptized. He gets saved. He gives his life to the Lord and becomes one of the great revivalists and great missionaries of his time and really in history. Most of the New Testament written by John and by Paul. So here's what's interesting. Over the last 25 years, Muslims are coming to Christ in unprecedented numbers. And they're coming to Christ through visions and dreams. The testimonies are, are incredible. Put in, you can just go look on a Google search, put in visions and dreams, Muslims, and you'll see tens of thousands who aren't seeking God necessarily, not religious per se, not unreligious per se, but God's giving them visions and dreams of this, this man coming to them with white robes, and they know it's Jesus because he's one of their prophets. They consider Jesus one of their prophets. And they, and they wake up and they get saved and, and they become Christians. Amen. It's like crazy. It's never happened in history. And then I have this beautiful couple come up and tell me what's happening in Nicaragua. Folks, God is on the move and we are on the winning team. And that's what he's prophesying here. Verse 2. 
God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? So he's now, this is his second witness. His second, first witness is Paul. Second witness is Elijah. How he pleads with God against Israel. Saying, Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left. And they seek my life now. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. So what he's saying here is just like Elijah, remember, he was on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal against King Ahab and um, his wife. And in the process of that, he calls down, he says, soak, soak the altar, they soak it with water. And he says, now you guys, you prophets of Baal, why don't you have your God come and light the, the altar, come and light the altar. And they can't do it and they cut themselves and they dance and nothing happens. And then Elijah calls down fire from heaven, lights this thing up. And then Ahab's wife Jezebel says, kill Ahab. So Ahab runs for his life. He, the, all that courage that was in him turns actually into depression and fear, goes down to, to Sinai. And then he says, I'm the only one left. I'm all that's left. And he has a martyr complex. Any of you ever struggle with a martyr complex? You liars, you know you do. Okay. And so you, you, you have this, he has this martyr complex. And then God says to him, look, you're not the only one left. You're not that special. I've got 7,000 other prophets out there. And they haven't bent their knee to Baal either. I have a remnant. And he's saying, look, in Israel, there's a remnant today. In church, there's always a remnant. God never allows the enemy enough room that there's not a remnant church still there. Some of us in this room, I think we could consider ourselves a remnant church. We're a remnant of God's word and his spirit. But that's not something to boast about. That's something to be thankful for. And we pray for revival to hit every church in the city. We pray for a mighty move of God. I pray regularly for pastors in our city that they would have... Uh, spiritual and theological backbone, to have courage to, to speak the truth in love and speak the truth with power, and with anointing, and not let popular opinion or public opinion sway them away from truth that's in God's Word. And so, and so he's saying here, even so, look at verse 5, even so then at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. In other words, God is working out a plan, a great and mighty plan. Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's God's plan for all of us in this room. His plan is if you'll seek him, if you'll search for him, he will let himself be found by you. Isn't that great? So when you tell someone, you're talking to someone about the Lord, and they don't want, you know, they don't want to hear it or whatever, you say, why don't you seek him? Why don't you ask the Lord, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. He will. 
He promised if you search for him, you'll find him if you search for him with all of your heart. And if by grace, verse 6, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. So, men and women, the problem that we all have is with religion. Because religion's about you being a good person. And being a good person, I mean, better than being a bad person. Let me just say, good person's good. Okay, but good being a good person doesn't save you. Being a good person doesn't qualify any of us in this room for salvation. It's by grace. It's God's grace. It's what Christ did on the cross. So I like to say, you've heard me say it many times before, you'll never be good enough to get saved, but you can be bad enough. So if you, when, when you recognize that you're a sinner and that you don't have the capacity to save yourself and you come to Christ by faith, that's what saves us. It's the unqualified work of cro- the Christ on the cross that we accept by faith that releases salvation into our hearts. So repentance doesn't save us. Christ saves us. Baptism doesn't save us. Christ saves us. So it's a work internal that spreads to the external, not the external spreading to the internal. Does that make sense? So religion says, work your way toward God and then God will accept you. Christianity says, quit working yourself to God because God's already done the work, accept the work that he's done and you'll be saved. That's an internal heart work that then works itself out in our outer life. That's what he's saying here. He continues. Verse 7, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. To this very day, David says, let their table become a snare and a trap. Very interesting phrase here. Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. So... In these three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, the Old Testament is used 80 times. So Paul is directing their thoughts toward what God has done. Now, in verse 9, where he says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. Here's what he's saying is that God, and it's a mystery, okay? It's a mystery, but God, in his mysterious way is actually using the scriptures, using the law, using the prophets that they read actually as a snare because what was meant to lead them to faith and salvation has led them to believe that the law is how they get saved. But there's going to be a day coming when the tables are going to be turned, where God's going to do something different. So now look at verse 11. 
I say then, had they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. So in other words, it's not complete. It's not a complete falling out. It's a stumble. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So this is our third witness, the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the third witness of a coming kingdom of God revolution. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, in other words, fellow Jews, and save some of them. For if they're being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? In other words, if there's been a great blessing to the Gentiles because the Jews have rejected the gospel, think about what will happen when the Jews accept the gospel. I mean, that's like crazy. So what we're seeing right now is all across the globe, billions of people are getting saved. I mean, I think it's like right now, there's 3 billion people in the world who call themselves Christians. That's pretty significant. Still, don't let anybody fool you. Oh, Christianity's not growing, da-da-da. It is growing by leaps and bounds. Now, it's not growing in this country. There's an interesting statistic with Gallup. I was looking at a Gallup poll this week for something else I was doing. And, um, you know, we keep hearing that people are less and less going to church. Well, that's true in mainline churches. So more and more Roman Catholics are leaving the church. More and more Episcopals are leaving the church. More and more Methodists are leaving the church. Presbyterians just by droves. Those churches lost 4 million people last year. But non-denominational churches are growing almost at the exact same number on the other side. So when they give you those statistics, they're looking at the whole, they're, they're taking all of it in. But if you take churches like ours, which I think are what we would call word-rooted, spirit-alive, culturally engaged churches, churches like that, it's just, they're growing by leaps and bounds. We've tripled since COVID. So whatever Polis was trying to do, it didn't work very well, did it? At least in our church. It worked in other churches. Because I, I know of churches right now that have never recovered from COVID because of the shutdown. And we didn't, when we shut down, we drank the Kool-Aid about five weeks. Because I didn't know. I mean, I thought, well, heck, I don't want anybody getting sick and everything. But then when we started realizing what was going on, we opened and nobody died. I mean, I think we have one person in our church die in the whole church. So the protocol that Pam developed and all that, I mean, holy smokes. She and her protocol, three, over 3,000 people got healed in, in El Paso County alone. That's pretty good, right? I mean, can I hear one little amen? I mean, that's pretty good. So that's, that's amazing what God did through Pam. Well, because she's a kingdom of God revolutionary, and God does that through you. How many of you lost your jobs during COVID? Anybody here lose their job during COVID because you wouldn't get the vaccine or you didn't agree with something? Anybody like that? Okay. We probably had about 25 people in our church that lost their jobs. All of them. As far as I know, all of them have gotten way better jobs as a result. So I'm saying what the enemy sometimes does in your life that's really hard, God can use it for good. 
He really, he really can. Look at Romans 8. Go, go back to the left and go to Romans 8. And you guys know it, but I'm going to read it for those that don't. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, see, God sometimes uses bad things in our life to do great things in our life. And he gets our attention. And some of you have been through some really hard stuff this year. Trust God. Give it to him. Surrender it to him. And he can turn something that is super bad into something that's astronomically really, really good. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's a blindness right now. And look what good it's done to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Well, think about when the day comes when there's a kingdom of God revolution among the Jews, what that's going to do worldwide. Verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So here's what he's saying. He's saying an olive tree, speaking of the nation of Israel. Okay? He's talking about the nation of Israel here. And he's saying that, this is what I believe he's saying. The first fruit of Christianity began with the Jews. Remember that? Pentecost. 3,000 got saved in one day. A few weeks later, 5,000 get saved. So suddenly it's 8,000, almost all of them are Jews in uh, Jerusalem. Then the Pharisees began to lock down on the early church, and that's where persecution really was. Actually, more persecution from the Jews than from the Romans. So he's saying that was the first fruits of the new age, the church age that has now come in the last days. Well, that's holy. That first fruit, don't forget that. Don't forget the root of what God did at the beginning, even though now they've turned their back on God. I'm still saying that because of that first fruit, the rest is holy. He's actually quoting from Numbers 15. So in Numbers 15, he's talking about a little bit of the dough dedicated to God makes the whole dough holy. Now, this is true in so many areas of our life. Let's just take finances. Learning to tithe. The Lord says, if you'll tithe, if you'll give me 10% of your income, I'll bless the rest of the, I'll bless 100%. And I learned that at 21. When I figured that out at 21, I mean, the rest of my life, really financially, has been one miracle after another. I'll give you one. This is a great, I don't share this much, but it's pretty cool. So when I came out of college, I had $7,000. Okay, that's from doing odd jobs in the summer. I was a foreman for a construction company, did different things. Anyway, $7,000, but I was going on the mission field. So I go to Japan for 10 years as a missionary, but I invested the $7,000 in a bunch of different investments. Forgot about it. Completely. You guys remember CDs? If you're over 55, you know what a CD is, okay? If you're under 55, you probably don't know what it is. It's not something you play music on, okay? So 
there's this little known president from Georgia who came along as I was graduating. His name was Jimmy Carter. He was a peanut farmer, a naval uh, officer who became president of the United States from 76 to 80. Interest rates skyrocketed. We had interest rates as high as 22%. So you think you got it bad now. Think about when I was in college. That was 22%. I locked those in in CDs and investments. So when I came back from the mission field and Liz and I were planning to go to seminary, I had over $100,000 from the $7,000 in just 10 years. Now, do you think that's just luck or I'm smart with my money? Yeah, I am smart with my money. I know that if I tithe 10% and I give it to the Lord, he'll take care of the whole lot of dough. So that's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, the first fruits of the kingdom were the Jews. They got saved in Jerusalem, and, and that root, that root is still there. It's still acceptable to God, and it supports you now. In other words, church, anti-Semitism is so bad. Any kind of prejudice is bad, but anti-Semitism is, is bad because that's our roots. That's the roots of our church. We would not be here if it weren't for the Jews who gave us the scriptures and gave us the Old Testament. And it was Jews who wrote the New Testament who got saved. So we love that. That's beautiful. That's why on the inside of Liz and I's wedding rings, not this one because my first one got stolen, but this one doesn't have it, but they used to have it. Psalm 67. Let me read Psalm 67 to you. God be merciful to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us, that you may be known all over the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people righteously, and you govern the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our God, shall bless us, and he shall bless us to the very ends of the earth. They shall fear him. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, just like what the Jews gave us is going to go to the ends of the earth. And so we are blessed by that, and let us not forget that. So the fourth witness is the Jewish patriarchs, the Jewish nation. Verse 19. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell. Severity. But toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness. Otherwise... You will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue on unbelief, they'll be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. He's talking about us. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree? So here's what he's saying. He's saying, be careful about being haughty. Be careful about pride and arrogance in your life. Like you're so special that you know everything, that you've got it all figured out. Because it's God's grace extended to us. And he even says, don't be so haughty as to think 
that you're saved if you're not. And I want to just say this. If you in this room, you struggle with that battle within your heart of assurance that you're saved. In other words, let me ask the question. If you were to die tonight, are you assured in your heart that you would go to heaven? Or are you hampered with those doubts that come where you're not sure? We'll seal the deal today before we take communion. Give your heart to Christ. You may have been baptized, may have grown up in the church, may have been through catechism class, but are you sure with the confidence of peace that comes that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart? If you have any doubt, give your heart to Him today. I'll give you that opportunity. And then here's where He goes with it. We read it earlier. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So all Israel will be saved. That's the kingdom of God revolution. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So Jesus is saying, fifth witness, God himself, he's the witness. Listen to Genesis 12. This is God speaking to Abram. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, in you, in Abram, all the families, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is a side issue. But I know enough about the way we are, the way our nature is. And we know the history of nations, especially Germany, of anti-Semitism, haughtiness against the Jews. Folks, we can never go there. It is because of the Jews that God is working out a great and a marvelous plan that when, when the revival hits, the move of God goes across the globe with the kingdom of God revolution to the Gentiles, it's then going to bring a great move of God even to the Jews. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now listen to the next part. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isn't that incredible? God is so, he's moving right now, church. He's moving in America. He's moving in this county. He's moving in this city. It's like yeast, though. Yeast is so little, and you just get a little bit in there. Man, it gets in the whole dough. It's a, it's a mustard seed. It's the principle of the mustard seed. It's so small, but it becomes a great tree.
subliminal kingdom revolution. It's concealed, but it's happening. It happened in your life. It's happening and we're a part of it. It's marvelous. Isaiah 11, 9 and 10. Isaiah 11, 9 and 10. For they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's pretty good news. God is going to cover the globe with the glory of God. Acts 2, Peter preaching at Pentecost, he says this, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says of himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So Peter recognized, and this is the, the most quoted verse in all of the New Testament, Psalm 110.1. He's saying that when the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand with the Father, and he's going to stay there until all his enemies have been defeated. So I could be sitting in a room with some pretty top executives right now that are allowing child porn in Instagram to happen and key people in law enforcement that are doing absolutely nothing about it. It's called pedophilia. Historically known as being taboo in our country. But starting to allow that to happen. That's what Jeffrey Epstein was in prison for. And I could say, do you guys realize that you're enemies of God? Do you realize that the Lord is seated on his throne at the right hand of the Father and that he's, he's going to put you under his feet? Is that where you want to go? You're going to go to hell. And you don't have to. Why don't you repent and give your life to Christ? That's a kingdom of God revolution. Thank you for listening to the Born for War podcast. We hope today's message has empowered you to make a difference in your world. To connect with Pastor Steve's sermons, books, and blog, visit steveholtonline.org. God bless.